Hey everyone, before we get into today's episode, I just wanted to remind you that we have a ton of extra content over on our Patreon. We do movie watch parties, special Patreon bonus episodes, and all other sorts of wacky stuff that you can access easily if you head on over to patreon.com slash filmwhiskey. On today's Film and Whiskey, it's bracket time! Bracket time! We put all 32 movies from season 6 into a madness-style bracket and whittle them down to just one. At the same time, we're trying three ryes from our friends at Doc Swinson's Whiskey. That's all ahead on The Film and Whiskey Podcast! Hey, everybody. Welcome into the Film and Whiskey Podcast. I'm Bob Book. I'm Brad G. Brad, it is the most wonderful time of the season. I'm so excited because it is uh, bracket challenge o'clock right now. (laughs) Bracket time. Man, okay, listen, if you're new to the podcast or if this is your first season that you've joined us, we structure our show thus. We have 32 movies in each season. And at the end of each season, we put those movies into a madness style bracket and we crown one movie the champion of that season. So this is season six. We are here to determine what is the season six champion. Brad, there's a little bit more to it than that, but that's basically the gist of what we're doing here. That's that's it. We literally do nothing else but, <laughs> but bracket preparation. So... I think we should give the people a little bit of like our our methodology. Like let's let's lay the foundation here for what the How bracket can looks Brad like. Brad piss off Bob the most. That is definitely your methodology, for sure. <laughs> 100%. So what we do is, you know, we give these movies a rating at the end of each week out of 10. And so at the end of each season, we have a nice little numerical list of how our movies came out. And so I rank those all by, you know, what was a 10 out of 10, what was a 9 and a half, blah blah blah. But at the same time, Brad and I, independent of each other, we just take the list of movies. Once we hit week 32, we look back over the list and we just kind of rearrange them by what our heart tells us is the the best movie that year. (laughs) There's no rhyme or reason to it. It's just, hey, it's been 32 weeks since we've seen some of these movies. It's been one week since we've seen some of these movies. How would we reorder these if we were doing it right now? And so at the end of that, we have three lists. We have our numerical list, and then we have our go with the heart list for each of us. We average all of those together, and we come out with one final list that, without fail, pisses both of us off. And that's how I know Mm -hmm. that it's a good methodology, because we take (laughs) one through 32, we seed them out, we put them in a bracket, and every single season, dude, I look at this bracket, and I'm like, this is weird. This doesn't look right. And and that's (laughs) how I know that it's right. It's exactly right. Yeah, I think that each season I always, my heart just kind of, it's a free spirit, Bob. It it wanders through the list willy-nilly and just kind of forgets certain movies that I might have been pumped about earlier in the year and elevates other movies that I might have given like a seven and a half or an eight to Mm -hmm. and yet somehow it's in my top ten. And that's that's just me and my gut feeling, Bob. I, I trust it. It's my knower. I, I know things. I am trying to find words that don't sound accusatory of you, Brad G. But whenever we come out to our weird looking funky seating every season, it's mostly because of you. Like, let's just be real here. Because, I mean, I really you are like not that. the final authority on movies, Bob. Oh, I'm not. But what I'm saying is. My scores stay pretty consistent from like the time we watch the movie to the end of the season. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is still a 10 out of 10. Therefore, in my mind, I am probably going to rank this in my top two or three of the season. And so, like, you know, generally, there's a little bit of shuffling in my list, but it's pretty consistent. And then I get your list back. And, you know, without spoiling which movie it is, Brad, there's a movie this season that you gave a 10 out of 10 to. And then I think you ranked it like number 13 out of 32 on your list. I sure did. And I just, I don't get it, man. I don't understand your the depths of your heart. I think for me, it's it's more about what movies would I want to watch again. Hmm. And I don't know if that's an accurate depiction of like, you know, the best movie at one and the worst at 32. 
But I I would say that just because I gave a movie a 10 out of 10 doesn't mean I'm like aching to rewatch it. Whereas there's certain movies that I, I would rewatch over and over again that might rank a few, few yeah. spots higher. So you know what's know. really funny is I feel like the way we approach this is almost completely flipped from each other because when I'm ranking my movies, I'm I'm mostly just like, what's the better movie? Like whether or not it's mm-hmm. a rewatch or not, like what's the better film here? But when it comes time for us to actually do the bracket and there's a head-to-head matchup and our criteria in a head-to-head matchup is one of these movies is going to get thrown into the fiery furnace and never seen or heard from again and only mm-hmm. one can survive forever. That's when I'm usually like, all right, which one would I rather watch again? Like if I had to, if I had to just stumble upon this on the cable on a weekend afternoon, like what's the movie that I'm going to stop and actually watch? And so it's funny because I feel like you do that during the listing and not so much during the head to head. (laughs) And I do it during the head to head and not during the listing. I think what I'm hearing is you're just trying to draw this out so that you don't have to throw away any of your movies. (laughs) That's true. All right, man, let's let's reveal the bracket here. Uh, I will say before we get started that we are trying three whiskeys today from our friends at Doc Swinson's. They've been our sponsor throughout season six. They've been an incredible sponsor for us. They sent us seven different spirits to try, one of which was a rum that they finished in a whole bunch of different kinds of casks. And uh, that that one Brad and I are just keeping for ourselves. We don't really drink rum on film and whiskey. Surprise, surprise. But what we have left over after the rum is three ryes and three bourbons. And so on this edition of the bracket episode, we're going to drink the three ryes. Next time around, we'll drink the three bourbons. So we'll break at uh, you know certain points, Brad. We'll try these ryes. But it's time for us to dive into this, man. And I'm looking at our bracket right now. Once again, it is incredibly frustrating. Uh, for me, at least. So if you're following along, we are going to start up in the upper left hand quadrant with our number one overall seed. Brad, reveal our seed. <laughs> oh, that's gross. Whoa. Reveal our number one seed to the listeners. I was going to say we should name each quadrant. I was like thinking the, about this. the cruise quadrant. <laughs> The, of course, uh, the of Hanks course there's a cruise quadrant. Obviously. <laughs> uh, in, the, in the cruise quadrant, our number one film of the season is Steven Spielberg's Jurassic Park. I'm not surprised at all. Like, not even a little bit. Are you? No. No. No, I, I think I had it as my number two overall. It, it's, it's freaking Jurassic Park, man. Yep. There's dinosaurs. There's horror. There's family dynamics. It's it's just so good. And it's going up against our number 32 overall seed, Scott Pilgrim versus the world. <laughs> Scott Pilgrim versus the T-Rex. <laughs> it is a losing battle, my friend. Uh, yeah. I think it's pretty obvious that Jurassic Park's moving on here. But say one nice thing about Scott Pilgrim versus that, the world. That's what I was going to do. You know, it's the number 32 seed, and it's not my cup of tea. But even I'm a little bit surprised that it shook out to be the 32 seed. And I think that says a lot about the quality of films this season. We really didn't give I think we only gave a couple movies anywhere below like a seven and a half this season. And this one shook out to about a seven. I think I gave it a five and a half and you gave it like an eight maybe. Uh, So, you know, it was low ish. But even that is our worst movie of the season. I think that says quite a bit about what we're going to be looking at in the bracket. But but say one nice thing about the movie itself, Bob. Uh, I like Michael Sarah and I like Edgar Wright. Okay, not in this movie, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jurassic Park moves on. Jurassic Park, yeah. <laughs> All right, and we're jumping immediately from the widest gap between matchups to the narrowest one because the next matchup is the 16 seed Raging Bull up against the 17 seed The Searchers. Now again. These are two movies that we rated quite highly. I gave Raging Bull a nine. I think, Brad, you gave it either a seven and a half or an eight. Uh, The Searchers, I also gave a nine to. And I don't remember exactly what score you gave it, Brad, but it really ended up. I think it was around a nine. Yeah, it ended up coming out to how we seeded them out in our individual lists. And as I recall, Raging Bull was pretty low for you. And so that's how it ends up here at 16. And I'm kind of shocked to see both these movies here. And this was a really hard matchup for me, Brad. Yeah, I I think that if I just had to go on overall 
enjoyability, I'd have to go with the searchers. But the idea of throwing out that final scene of Raging Bull to be lost to the fiery inferno is like really hard because I think that might be like a top 20 all time scenes in film history. I'm going to be honest here because I'm the guy that liked Raging Bull more. I picked the searchers and I think because it's ultimately I think the searchers is a more influential movie in Hollywood. It inspired Spielberg and Scorsese and George Lucas and all of these directors that we know and love now. And I think taken as a whole, I think it's a it's a more consistently good movie, whereas Raging Bull had higher highs, but they didn't come until the very end of the movie. So because of that, I'm actually moving the searchers on. Yeah, I actually chose the searchers as well. Wow. Okay. Uh, I legitimately almost chose Raging Bull just because the scene of hit, uh, of De Niro trying to talk to Pesci at the end of the film is is soul crushing yeah. in such a beautiful way. But yeah, I, I couldn't quite do it, man. All right. So The Searchers is moving on. And that takes us to the number nine seed, Baby Driver, up against the number 24 seed, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Close Encounters was, I think, pretty easily ranked for us, Brad, as the worst of the four that we watched from Spielberg. Uh, I think I actually ranked it as his third worst, but I understood exactly where you were coming from. It's a movie that like there's some tonal whiplash going on in that movie. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a couple storytelling leaps that I wish that he had drawn out a little bit more. For the most part, I think it's a brilliantly constructed film. It's a really, really well written script. Um, And I hate to be the guy that's like. I'm going to put Baby Driver on over this classic movie by Spielberg. But I honestly think that if if I'm just taking it at face value, I like Baby Driver better than I like Close Encounters. And I'm going to move Baby Driver on. Yeah, I, I'm going to move Baby Driver on as well. I think that Close Encounters really is a, a, a great movie, but it's almost worth it more for the interview that is done with Spielberg, where Spielberg realizes that he was trying to pair his parents back together. Mm-hmm. You're the one who showed me this, Bob. And I like that interview makes the entire movie worth it because you get to see into Spielberg's soul for a second and it's incredible. Yeah. So I think it's pretty clear that we're moving Baby Driver on. Like I said, I ranked uh, Close Encounters 18th out of the 32 films for the season. Not a bad movie by any stretch. But Baby Driver, I think, is one of the better action movies of the last 10, 15 years. And so, yeah, yeah, it moves on. It's crazy how brackets work, man, because we just had Raging Bull and The Searchers, two of the most highly regarded (laughs) movies ever. And now you got like Baby Driver sneaking into, you know, the round of 16. Yeah. Yeah. It's that's man. That's how it works. You get a you get a, you know, seven, eight, nine seed that can do some damage in the tournament. You just never know what's going to happen. All right, man. Why don't you give us our next matchup? Yeah, this one, we are going with two action classics, Shaun of the Dead and The Terminator. If you had told me before we started this bracket episode that Edgar Wright would have two pretty easy victories in the the first round, (laughs) I'd be really surprised. And that's saying nothing about Edgar Wright. He's a great director. And and the Terminator is kind of a watershed moment in sci-fi and action cinema, but especially the fact that we have T2 floating around somewhere on this bracket and that mm-hmm. that movie is just so superior to the first Terminator movie. Yeah. I easily. don't really feel bad getting rid of it in favor of Shaun of the Dead here. And so that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. I, I think Shaun of the Dead is one of my absolute favorite comedies of all time. So that that's an easy pickup. The Terminator is fun and it's engaging. And I, I, I really think Arnold does a great job being a robot. But it's it's nothing compared to what Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg do in Shaun of the Dead. All right. So there are our first four entries into the round of 16. Jurassic Park, The Searchers, Baby Driver, Shaun of the Dead. We're moving down into our lower left quadrant here. What's this one called, Brad? Uh, this one is the Hanks quadrant. Oh, okay. I was going to, I was thinking you were just going to pick variations of Tom Cruise's name and just call it like the Tom, oh, the Tom bracket that, but that applies to the Hanks bracket too. Yeah. We should call it the, uh, the mission impossible bracket, 
the Jack Reacher bracket, the Edge of Tomorrow bracket. <laughs> the Maverick bracket, yeah. The Maverick, the Top Gun bracket. All right, well, leading off the Top Gun bracket is the two least action-packed movies ever made, and it is the number <laughs> hey, four man. overall seed, Brief Encounter, up against the number 29 overall seed, The Quiet Man. The Quiet Man is action-packed, dude. It has like a 15-minute fight scene, okay? It has action. I don't know if it's packed with action. <laughs> There's like some action dangling off the end a little bit, like a hangnail. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> action hangnail. If there is one movie this season that I am shocked by its placement, it is Brief Encounter. I thought that I was going to have to defend that movie to the nail, that it would be our most boring episode of the season because you would be checked out and calling it dumb. And I like... I am so pleasantly surprised, A, that you liked that movie, but B, that we both liked this movie enough that it is the number four seed. Bob, brief encounter. Fun fact. Incredible movie. <laughs> like, that is a fun fact. It is such a good film. I, I think that it is quiet and it is intense. And the most important thing I think I can say about it is that it is incredibly sincere and believable. Mm -hmm. And then there's The Quiet Man, which is a movie that I really like, but that I don't do anything more than like. I don't know if it's that makes sense. It's very sincere. Yes. It is not very believable. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So The Quiet Man was your movie, dude. Like We put this movie on the list because you were like, we got to do it at some point. It is yeah. a gorgeous film to look at. And that, it features yes. one of my favorite John Wayne performances. Like, there's a lot of good things to say about it. And so I'm going to put the ball in your court here, man. Which one did you move on? I put Brief Encounter forward. Wow. Yeah. I, I, I feel I, so proud. I, I love The Quiet Man. It, it's really a fun movie. But it's it's not it's not compared to Brief Encounter. Mm. Uh, Brief Encounter is a is a movie's movie, Bob. You know, I will say we're recording this episode a, a few weeks in advance. Spoiler alert. Uh, it's Valentine's Day. Hmm. And uh, what, what so a let's nice watch a movie about infidelity. I was, but yeah, but I mean, like, it is one of the classic romance movies. It's a tragic movie, but like you got that. And then you've got The Quiet Man, which is like the uplifting romance movie. This would be a nice little little Valentine's pairing. I like it. Uh, I don't think so. I don't I don't think my wife wants to watch. A movie about infidelity with me on Valentine's Day. Oh, well, all right. Your wife needs to expand her horizons, man. That's nah. what I'm saying here. <laughs> Just like uh, <laughs> What's-Her-Face expanded her horizons in Brief Encounter. Yeah, you know? <laughs> all right, we're moving on, dude. We're going to go to the number 13 overall seed, Raiders of the Lost Ark, up against the number 20 overall seed, Lawrence of Arabia. Now, again, I feel like we have to put disclaimers on these things, because, like, when I say... Raiders is the number 13 seed and Lords of Arabia is the 20th. Like, it sounds like, A, we don't know what we're talking about, and B, that we didn't enjoy those movies. And that is not the case. Like, I gave both of those movies a 9 out of 10. They're great movies. They just didn't crack that top tier for me. And honestly, having the director format, Brad, I think that I enjoyed both of David Lean's other two movies more than I enjoyed Lawrence of Arabia, as important as it is. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that I definitely enjoyed Raiders a lot more. I definitely enjoyed Bridge and Brief Encounter more. Mm -hmm. So it, for me, Raiders is going on carefully. Like I, like, I like Lawrence of Arabia. I think it's incredibly important in cinematic history. But I just, I like Raiders more. I probably also like Raiders more, but I did move Lawrence of Arabia on. And Ooh. yeah, and like I don't feel great about it. But at the end of the day, Raiders is another one of those movies that it's a great movie. It's a great Spielberg movie. But like Jaws, I feel that it might be just a tad overestimated. Uh, you know, like I'm going to compare it to Jurassic Park. I think Jurassic Park does everything Raiders does better than Raiders, the same way I think it does everything that Jaws does better than Jaws. Mm. I don't even think Raiders is my favorite of the indie movies. I think Last Crusade is probably my favorite one. So yeah, as much as it pains me to throw Raiders of the Lost Ark up on the altar, I'm going to put Lawrence of Arabia into the next round. And that means... You know what that means, Bob. What does it mean? 
means that we're about to flip the coin of destiny. The coin of destiny, which is always held by Brad uh, in the most suspicious of circumstances. Brad. I have never once lied, Robert. (laughs) All right. We're going to say that Raiders of the Lost Ark is heads. Lawrence of Arabia is tails. When we come to an impasse, we flip a coin to see what moves on to the next round. Brad, flip that coin. Bob. Yes. Lawrence of Arabia. The film you chose is going deep into the next round of this bracket. Wow. You've gotten so good at teasing this, man. Like, you've been taking <laughs> notes on uh, Ryan Seacrest on American Idol. <laughs> it, it feels I like thought a that was going scene. a different way with every single word you said. Yeah, it, it feels like a family guy scene where they just draw it out. Or like my cousin Vinny. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, Lawrence of Arabia moves on. That means my bracket is still unblemished, Brad. Yours has taken a hit at this point. That takes us to our next matchup, the number 12 seed, Heat, up against the number 21 seed, Moonrise Kingdom. Now, Brad, I will speak for the both of us here. Uh Uh-huh. Moonrise Kingdom ended up being a weirdly divisive movie that I I did not see that coming. Easily Um, the most divisive movie in Film and Whiskey. In the history of the Film and Whiskey podcast. And it didn't become divisive until the last, like, five minutes of the episode. It was such a pleasant and enjoyable time. And then out of nowhere, uh, the the divis- division <laughs> struck. Yeah. I I was very proud of myself for uh, for, for waiting till the end. You, <laughs> I had, the, I had the, the wool pulled over your eyes pretty hard. <laughs> I was so blindsided. Now, I will say this. Okay. Uh, Brad has some some personal moral objections to that movie because of that. He actually said, I I don't think I'm going to score this movie because I think I would give this movie a very low score uh, just because I disagree with it ethically. And so he with uh, withheld his vote. What's the, what's the word when you, uh, he abstained from voting on that movie. So our seating really only reflected my first score and then our placement of the movie on both lists. So where did you put it on your list? Uh, let me take a look. I put it at number 16. So right in the middle. Oh, okay. Yeah. It definitely fell in my estimation this time around. Uh, like I, I used to love that movie more than Grand Budapest. And then this time around, I was like, what the hell was I thinking? Uh, <laughs> I'm okay just saying let's get rid of Moonrise Kingdom because like, you know, I like Heat. It's about on the same level as Heat in terms of like, which one would I rather watch on a Saturday afternoon kind of a thing? Mm-hmm. But it's not worth carrying into the next round if it's going to be like a weird thing that's going to always stoke division. Let's just throw it to the wolves and then <laughs> move Heat on. Throw it into the fiery inferno and keep Heat out of it. Yeah. Counterintuitively. Yeah. Who would have thought? Yeah. Heat is moving on. Part of the reason that it was so easy to move heat on is because I have a feeling that whatever comes out of that matchup, now we know that it's heat, is going to have a really hard time in the next matchup because we've got the number five overall seed, Terminator 2, Judgment Day, going up against the number 28 overall seed, The Grapes of Wrath. I don't know that we need to talk about this very long, Brad. Yeah. Grapes of Wrath is is okay. Hmm. Terminator 2 is incredible. (laughs) The end. I mean, T2 the moves end. on here. Yeah, for real. I want to drink rye whiskey, Robert. I do too. So real quick, let's recap the four movies that moved on. Brief Encounter, Lawrence of Arabia, Heat, and Terminator 2. And now, Brad, it is time to drink some whiskey. Can whiskey. you uh, can you direct us to which of these three experimental casks we are going to be trying first? I think we should try their Funky Drummer. Mmm. The Funky Drummer is an, like we said, an exploratory cask from Doc Swinson's. It's a straight rye whiskey, which has been finished in Jamaican rum casks. Brad, I am pouring it out right now. So you regale us with the story of your experience with this bad boy. Yeah, well, I will start by saying Doc Swinson's is incredible. Stand up, guys. Like, they are such cool guys making truly incredible whiskey Mm -hmm. 
their their uh, exploratory casks guys you have to go get them like <laughs> if you are seeing anything in a white label from doc swinson's it means that it is a it's a once in a lifetime like try it now or forever hold your peace kind of whiskey and having them send us these seven versions of it you know six whiskeys and a rum i have tried them holy shit <laughs> okay that's all i'm going to say go buy it uh secondly let's talk about the funky drummer the funky drummer the funkiest of drummers. Now, this one is a uh, rye whiskey finished in a Jamaican rum cask. I think Bob might have already said that. It's coming in at 105.3 proof. Mm -hmm. And I will say, I think this is like one of the most classic, nice ryes I've ever had. And I, I will say this one, it doesn't rise to the levels that we're going to hit with our other two ryes mm -hmm. that they sent us. Uh, but for me, on the on the on the nose, the palate, and the finish, it just had one of the most pleasant baking spice, rye, oaky, vanilla taste to it that I've ever had. Yeah. So this is a blended whiskey that, or a blended rye. It's, it's a blend of two five year ryes, both from MGP. The first one is a 95 rye, five malted barley mash bill. The second one is a 51% rye, 45% corn, 4% uh, barley mash bill. So, you know, it's kind of like right in the middle. This is probably sitting somewhere about 75% rye. And I really like that. It, I think it is rounded quite nicely by some of those corn notes. Brad, I think you're right in that, you know, I'm especially comparing this to one that we're probably going to drink next, which is similarly finished, but that I thought had a lot more character than this. This is like, hey, here's a classic rye flavor with a little bit of tropical notes thrown in on top of it. And it's at, you know, uh, I don't want to say cask strength, but it's 105 proof. Like it's it, it's a it's a little bit of a kick in the head. I really like this, man. I think it is a uh, it's a really good baseline to start from in our three rise today. Yeah, I think so. Uh, the, like this. And I'll say this, if we scored this out, I would probably come out to like a 37, 38 out of 50. Yeah. And if that's setting the baseline, the standard for where we're going, I am very excited. <laughs> I definitely get a lot of banana on this. It reminds me a lot of uh, some of the rise we've had from Barrel. Like it just kind of reminds me of that flavor profile. Really nice, kind of classic, spicy but it doesn't tip into that like dill or mint. It stays on the sweeter mm -mm. side. It's a, yeah. This is like this is a rye for bourbon drinkers. And that's why I like it so much. I'm right there with you, man. It would be somewhere between like 37 and 40 for me. Definitely on the higher end of the uh, upper proof rye spectrum that we've had. And I think it's a great place for us to uh, to start here as we segue back into our bracket. What do you say, man? Yeah, let's get to it. Hey there, you Poppinjays, it's me, George B. Stagger, your trusted voice in the world of selective spirits. Today's 60-second whiskey appraisal is brought to you by Doc Swinson's. Doc Swinson's, the perfect whiskey for adventurous whiskey explorers. Today, we're reviewing their Trace Amigos, one of their exploratory cask series. This is a straight rye whiskey finished in rum and tequila barrels. On the nose, it's all orange to me, friends. Citrus fruit and agave with just a hint of pear. The palate is a mean mix of toasted sugar, peppercorn, and citrus, and the finish is just bursting full of pineapple, vanilla, and oak. By golly, this whiskey is bonkers delicious. If you are in the market for a grand old time, then you must go partake in the delicious offerings prepared by the legendary blenders over at Doc Swinson's. Remember, this 60-second review has been brought to you by Doc Swinson's. Find the closest retailer to you at DocsWhiskey.com. That's D-O-C-S Whiskey.com. Until next time, folks, this is George B. Stagger signing off. All right, we are moving our way to the top right bracket, also known as the Let's Make It Tom Cruise Rain bracket. Mmm, love it. And our first matchup in this bracket is the grandiest, the most Budapestian hotel versus the number 31 seed, the Big Lebowski. Hmm. This is Sorry, not... that is the number two seed Grand Budapest Hotel. Brad, I don't really think I need to say too much about this. Uh, am I surprised that that Lebowski is 31? Kind of. 
But even though I like that movie better than I used to, I still just don't see it as more than like a seven and a half. And I will I will freely admit that I just don't I don't get that movie. I don't get Mm -mm. what is there that so many people love about it. You know, I'm glad people like that movie. It's fine. It is a good movie. (laughs) It is no Grand Budapest Hotel, which we should say was Brad G's number one ranked movie of this year when you turned your list in. Over Jurassic Park. Over Jurassic Park. I freaking loved that movie, dude. Yeah, I don't think I realized you liked it that much. Well, I mean, it helped that we had Patrick Mm -hmm. uh, Willems on to talk about it. I I think that he is has just such an incredible way of elucidating what makes a movie great and fun and enjoyable. So I, I really enjoyed hearing him talk about it. But on top of that, I just had a freaking blast watching that movie. It is wild. It is zany. It, it, it goes places you would never expect it to go. And I I love Ray Fiennes. I think over the last few years of watching this podcast, we've only had Ray Fiennes on two or three times. Mm-hmm. I think three between The Prince of Egypt, uh, Schindler's List, and now Grand Budapest. Yeah. And then all the well, Harry Potters. And the yeah. Harry Potters. So actually, we've had a, a pretty good dosage of him. I love Ray Fiennes. I do, too. So Grand Budapest Hotel is moving on. And that takes us to what I think is probably a much more intriguing matchup here, Brad, because I have a feeling we might be split on this one. It is the number 15 seed Silence up against the number 18 seed The Princess Bride. Now, The Princess Bride is a movie that I I have a bone to pick with you about because, Uh you know, we both kind of said, hey, it's a fine movie. It's pretty good. It's more uh, clever than it is laugh out loud funny. I gave it a seven and a half. I believe you gave it either an eight or an eight and a half. And then you turned your list back in and it was like way higher up the list than I would have expected it to be. And I said, what the hell? And you said, I love that movie. So it seems to have re-risen in your estimation here. I love the 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 Princess Bride, Bob. I, I put it at number nine out of thirty two, so not like crazy crazy high, but you know, top ten. Yeah, I think that what sticks out for me with the Princess Bride is how it it is such a farcical film where everyone takes the film so seriously, and I for me, I think it's the peak of like eighties farcical movies. Like I like I like Spaceballs. That's pretty fun. Uh, the, there's other films like that in the Mel Brooks type of vein of comedy. You know, Blazing Saddles is incredible from the 70s. But I, for me, Princess Bride just kind of takes the cake. And, and like I said, I didn't watch it till I was older, so it's not like I have some nostalgia here. I just I really enjoy that movie. I'm gonna be honest, man. I moved Silence on here, and it's not because I think Silence is like some masterpiece. Because once again, on the rewatch. I was like, yeah, this is a good movie, but it's definitely really long. And I could see how this would not be compelling to someone who isn't Christian. Not my favorite Scorsese movie. Definitely uh, the worst of the three that we looked at from him. And so this was one of those toss ups where I'm like, I think whatever goes here is going to get beat by Grand Budapest in the next round. And I don't really care what I move on. So I put silence there just to spice things up a little. Yeah, I I mean, I like Silence, but you're right in saying it was not the the best of the three. And I'll also say I'm glad that they came up against each other because I think they might be the most tonally different movies, (laughs) like like far and away the most different films we've had this season. Yeah, for sure. So I'll. Yeah, I'll flip the coin because I'm I'm moving the Princess Bride ahead. All right, so that means Silence is going to be heads. Princess Bride is going to be tails for a spot in the round of 16. Brad, flip that coin. Robert. Bradley. Your streak thus far of winning the only coin toss will survive. Silence is moving on into the next round. Okay. I don't really feel like a moral victory about that. It's more like, uh, you know, lambs to the slaughter here against Wes Anderson. (laughs) Silence of the lambs to the slaughter. (laughs) Nailed it. All right. Here's one that I'm excited for. And I really hope that it doesn't become divisive. It is the number 10 overall seed. A few good men up against the number 23 seed collateral. Talk about a dude movie matchup. (laughs) This would honestly be a great double feature. 
I would watch the hell out of both of these movies back yeah. to back. Yep. A Few Good Men ended up in my, I want to say it was like in my top five of the season, and I would not have anticipated that. Let's see. Oh, no. I had it at number nine. So, I mean, still way high up there. This is a movie that the Rob Reiner of it all, I think, are the things that we didn't like about it. Like, it's just, it's kind of flat looking. It's not visually that interesting. But it also might have my favorite Aaron Sorkin script. And it's got a great Tom Cruise performance, and it's got a great Jack Nicholson performance, and the last 40-ish minutes of this movie are just picture perfect. And if I happened to catch any of that last 40 minutes on television, I'm not turning it off. Whereas I think I Mm -hmm. could pry myself away from collateral at pretty much any point. So it's Cruise versus Cruise, man. Where did you come out Uh, on this one? You had to do it to me. You know, the more I reflect on collateral... The more I think that that Tom Cruise, his performance of a, a hired, you know, assassin hitman, it's one of my favorite villain performances of all time. Mm. Like I like I want to go back and watch it again, but I think he just has an incredible ability to simultaneously make you like him as a character. And it masks how desperately evil and heartless he is. And there's so many moments like like when he's talking to Jamie Foxx's boss on the on the radio and he's like empowering Jamie Foxx and he's teaching him how to be a man that stands up for himself. And it's moments like that where you're like, man, I I really like this guy. And yet at the end of the day, he is pure evil personified Mm -hmm. like he like he is just as as heartless as Anton Sugar, you know? Yep. And I so I just I actually think that he's up there is one of my favorite villains but a few good men is the better movie. all right yep a few good men moves on <laughs> into what is quite possibly the second dutiest matchup in our bracket this time around <laughs> the number seven overall seed bridge on the river Kwai up against the number 26 seed avatar a movie that brad just continues to not give any credit to i'm not yeah, arguing that it's a great movie but I, I think ranked it's it better. ahead of four other movies. I think it's better okay. than you give it credit for. Yeah. I eh. did go back to see uh, The Way of Water in IMAX 3D. Like, I drove to Cleveland to see it, not just in 3D, but in IMAX. It was far and away the best 3D experience I have ever had in my life. And mm-hmm. there were things about the 2D version of that movie that I was like, oh, the, the special effects in this are great. Like the CGI is incredible, but there were a few th- elements in it that looked kind of chintzy. And then in 3D, it was like, oh, this looks photorealistic. <laughs> like it looks so much different than it did in 2D. Uh, that has nothing to do with this avatar, but we're never going to talk about it again. So I figured <laughs> I might as well get it out there. Bridge on the River Kwai is 55 times the movie that Avatar is. Yeah. Yeah, Bridge on the River Kwai is is truly just an incredible film. It, it's one that I, you know, watched when I was like 10 to 12 years old, didn't watch it for two decades, and here I am just blown away by what Lean did. I'm moving Bridge on the River Kwai on. Okay, so that that quadrant is wrapped up. We're moving on the Grand Budapest Hotel, Silence, A Few Good Men, and Bridge on the River Kwai. And that takes us to the lower right quadrant, which, uh, what are we calling this one, man? The Ethan Hunt bracket. <laughs> the Hunt region. Uh, starting with the number three seed, Taxi Driver, up against the number 30? The number 30 seed, Last of the Mohicans, to Daniel Joyo, our good friend. I know you love this movie, man. It's a pretty good movie. It is no Taxi Driver. No. No. Taxi Driver... Like everything I liked about, you know, something like Heat is just amplified tenfold in Taxi Driver. So, yeah, Taxi Driver moves on. A deeply unsettling movie. Oh, dude. Yeah, that one doesn't sit well with you by the end. <laughs> Highest recommendation from Film and Whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> Go watch it. You'll feel terrible. And that takes us to the 14 seed. Oh, brother, where art thou? Up against the 19 seed Misery, once again, tonally wild matchup here. (laughs) And I think potentially uh, divisive again, Brad, because both of these movies. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Here's what I want to see. I just want to see the sirens 
you know, lure and seduce Clooney and his friends. And then he wakes up in the bed with Kathy Bates getting ready to break his ankles. That's that's the mashup I want to see from this season. I think that both of these movies are not entirely fulfilling to me. And I like them both. And it just kind of comes down to which one do I think is the more successful at what it ultimately sets out to do. And I think that Misery is just slightly more successful at that. I actually Ooh. like I actually might get more enjoyment out of Oh Brother Where Art Thou. But it's really, really narrow. And so for that reason, I moved Misery on. Yeah, I honestly, these are two of the most enjoyable films of the year for me. I, I just think they're both so in, incredibly successful at what they want to do. Uh, for me, Oh Brother Where Art Thou moves on. I, I think it's it's just such an incredibly witty comedy. And Clooney just turns in an incredible performance. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm ready to flip the coin, man. All right. That means that Oh Brother Where Art Thou will be heads. Misery will be tails. Brad, flip that coin. Bob, we're sticking with the heads, and oh, brother, where art thou? We'll be moving on. All right. I have taken my first L in the bracket this season. Oh, brother, where art thou? We'll be going up against Taxi Driver. Uh, Once again, wildly different movies in the round of 16. Can I just tell you why Raising Arizona is a terrible movie? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Speaking of our next matchup, the number 11 seed Aliens going up against the number 22 seed Raising Arizona. Before you tell me why it's terrible, I have to say, man, this was an incredibly hard matchup for me. And I want you to imagine liking Oh Brother Where Art Thou 15% more than you do. And that's like how I feel about Raising Arizona. And then you've got Aliens, which is a nearly perfect action sci-fi movie that I am shocked to see all the way down at 11. And I think, Brad, it's because you didn't have it as high up your list as I expected it to be. Uh, Yeah, I had it ranked number 19, so just a little below the halfway point. Now, this is not, again, I'm not trying to be accusatory here. What is it about the movie that made it drop that far when it came time to rank them all out? Uh, Honestly, I think it's the fact that it didn't, like, stick with me a ton. Like, the the things I kind of remember from it in its favor are the relationship between the little girl and uh Sigourney Weaver and I, I think that the the horror scene with the face sucker that's led in there by uh what's his face the the bad guy mm-hmm. uh Paul Reiser I, Paul Reiser thank you I, I think that that scene is incredible but there's just too many scenes of really bad 80s practical effects slash CG that just don't look good and the final fight scene is just bulky and awkward and so like it's a it's a great action movie i really enjoyed it but it also was hard because we also had t2 in this bracket Mm -hmm. and i think that that kind of you know influenced my opinion on this movie all right well i'm gonna be real with you dude uh my first pass at this bracket i put raising arizona ahead of aliens And the more I think about it, the more I'm like, you know what? I like them almost equally. It is not worth the effort of having Brad be mad at me about this. I'm going to put aliens ahead. Mm. I will. I will take the high road. I love when you submit to my will. All right. Aliens is moving on and uh, it's going to be going up against. officially thinks that Raising Arizona is a bad movie. Everybody. Just so we all know. Raising Arizona is no more. Aliens is going up against our number six seed, a little movie called Jaws, (laughs) which is facing off against the number 27 seed Rushmore. Rushmore is a movie that there there's a certain subset of people that think it's like perfect. I do not. In fact, I think it is pretty accurately placed here at like number 27 on our list. So I was going to say, where did you put it on your list? Because I put it at 17. For, For me, it was like the epitome of a forgettable middle of the road movie. It was number 30 for me. Really? Wow. And, and again, like it's a seven, seven and a half for me. But that was that was good enough to be number 30 this season, you know? Wow. Yeah. Okay. 
get the hell out of here, Rushmore. It's Jaws' yeah. turn. Dun, dun. <laughs> is, that, is that the final word on Jaws? <laughs> That's it, man. <laughs> okay. So the four movies that have moved on are Taxi Driver, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, Aliens, and Jaws. Uh, if I may say so, four absolute bangers. Bro. <laughs> great, great region down here. Just <laughs> incredible movies. And now it is time for us to drink a second whiskey. We are looking at Doc Swinson's Trace Amigos. This is, again, an exploratory cask. It's a straight rye whiskey that has been finished in both rum and tequila casks. It's clocking Ooh. in at 101.9 proof. And Brad, I might be in love. Yeah. I was going to say, I have always said that if there was another liquor I would, you know, desire to get into, if if companies wanted to send me free product, it would be tequila. Mm-hmm. I like, I love tequila, man. I think that, A, it's such a vastly different experience than whiskey that I, I'm really intrigued by it. But also the flavors you get on tequila are incredible. So I, I love seeing them paired up here. I think on the nose, the tequila actually really shines through on this and like in in somewhat a good way and in somewhat a way that I feel like it swallows up the rye just a bit. Uh, but it's also because we're not used to having things finished in tequila. Like this is just new to us. And so I definitely noticed it on the nose. But when you get into the taste, really sweet, like sugary sweet. It reminds me of like, you know, those um those like kind of gummy candies that are like rolled in sugar like the uh, like orange orange slices that are like oh yeah, yeah, you know yeah. I mean? it kind of reminds me of of that kind of candy uh but then it has a really nice floral note to it as well and then the rye spice comes right in at the end it was really yeah. really beautiful man yeah i i think that you get some of that agave taste coming through on the nose mm -hmm. but really for me that that note of like a candied orange stuck out it was very citrusy and very sweet i yeah. think when i got into the actual palate the citrus continued to come through there was almost like a toasted sugar like, like a burnt sugar feel to it there's some peppercorn this is incredible bob I'm going to ask you this now, Brad. We're going to throw a uh, call an audible here. Do okay. you want to just do the third whiskey right now? Do you want to move right into it? Yeah, let's do it, man. Let's freaking do it. I'm going to say this. I have tried. I, I tried the Trace Amigos before we started recording tonight. I tried the Funky Drummer on air. I have not even cracked the the seal oh, on oh, our third oh, one, oh, oh. which is called Smoke on the Water. This is a straight rye that's been finished in peated scotch quarter casks. Clocking it at 103.8 proof. Brad, this sounds like the platonic ideal of a whiskey for you. Dude, let me tell you this. If we were scoring out this bottle, I think it might come close to, to being barrel seagrass for me. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> like, it, it is right there as far as an incredible rye that is matched with Everything beautiful that comes out of a peated scotch. This whiskey, at the very bare bones minimum, is like a 48, 49 out of 50 for me. All right. Now, I will temper your praise just a bit to say that the nose on this is more muted than I expected it to be. Like, it, it's not quite as smoky as I expected, and it's also not quite as rye forward as I expected. Did you have the same uh, experience, Brad, or was it more – did it open up more for you? Nope. You're dumb, Bob. This has just enough smoke. It's got all sorts of like toasted almonds, some marshmallow. The rye comes through a little bit softer, but uh, enough to let you know that it's there. And then I got some interesting notes of grape throughout that I was like just blown away by. This just screamed complexity to me, and I am a huge fan. On the palate for me, some of those notes that come up time and time again with certain ryes that like really woody, like almost backyard pulling weeds, vegetal herbal thing comes out in this rye. This definitely tips more into the herbal side of rye whiskey. Whereas the other two were more sweet for me. 
and, and I think that is the influence of the peated scotch, but this doesn't have a ton of peaty scotch flavor to me. It tastes more like uh, some of those younger craft ryes that have that like, uh, you know, I don't know what, what do you want to call it? That herbaceousness to them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I can kind of see where you're going with that. I I actually got a little bit of citrus here, almost like a fresh squeezed orange juice. The rye spice comes through really strong on the palate. There is just a hint of peat on the palate that really opens up on the finish and, and hits you with a, a little more smoke. But, but on the actual tasting, uh, there's some sherry that's coming through that is reminiscent of the grape I was getting on the nose. And for me, it stayed just sweet enough. There's a little bit of vanilla, a little bit of caramel that I love this palette, Bob. Brad, if I was going to rank these out, I think I would go with the rum and tequila finished as my favorite. I would go with the rum finished as my second one. And then I'd probably put this one third. But they're so varied and so complex, each of them, that like. You know, to say that I have a personal preference is not a dig at any of these three. I think that what Doc Swinson's is doing with her exploratory casks, I am just wildly jealous of anybody who can get Doc's regularly in their area. Mm-hmm. So please, 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 please. Doc Swinson's makes phenomenal whiskey. Like yeah. you guys know how much I love barrel products. Barrel seagrass is my only whiskey I've ever given a 50 out of 50 on. I think that Doc Swinson's is like, it's like 1A and 1B for me. I think Barrel is my favorite company still, but Doc Swinson's is like just there and everybody else is leagues behind. All right, man. Let's get back into this bracket. Let's whittle this down to a round of eight. What do you say? Yeah, let's fly through this, man. I'm ready. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right. So our first matchup in the round of 16 is Jurassic Park, the number one seed against the Searchers, the 17 seed. I think this is where we say adieu to the Searchers, Brad. Yeah. I mean, we're not we're not going to sing it, but uh, Jurassic Park is an easy, easy vote to move on. It's going to be really hard to beat Jurassic Park. I'm just being frank here, people. Like, yeah, Jurassic Park is maybe like a top three movie for you. Yeah, for sure. So it's up there. Yeah. Well, at the very least, it moves on in this round because I'm moving it forward as well. All right. And then we've got an Edgar Wright head to head matchup, Baby Driver against Shaun of the Dead. This is a really hard matchup, Brad, because I think Mm -hmm. I like Baby Driver better. I think Baby Driver is certainly the more polished film. Yeah. I think Shaun of the Dead is going to be more Edgar Wright's legacy film, though. And so it kind of just depends, like, which one is your preference I think, quite frankly, Baby Driver works for me just a little bit more than Shaun of the Dead, and I put Baby Driver on. Yeah, I think it's funny that we, you know, we have Edgar Wright here matching up against himself. I actually moved Shaun of the Dead on. Mm. I'm kind of glad this is coming down to a coin flip, honestly. Yeah, I am too, because I, I think that watching Edgar Wright is some of the most fun I had this entire season. Mm -hmm. And Baby Driver fits that, Shaun of the Dead fits that. So I, it's an easy coin flip here. Which one do you want to be heads? Because Shaun of the Dead is actually the higher seeded film. Uh, I usually just go with the the higher geographic uh, <laughs> is going to be heads. So Baby Driver would be heads. Shaun of the Dead would be tails. All right. Let's flip that coin. Bob, Mr. Shaun of the Dead is moving on to the next round. All right, Shaun of the Dead is moving on. Baby Driver has driven itself off of a cliff. And that takes <laughs> us to Brief Encounter versus Lawrence of Arabia, Lean versus Lean. I really think Brief Encounter is like the little movie that could this season, man. This is the yeah. This is the butler. This is the VCU of this bracket. 
And I put Brief Encounter ahead of Lawrence of Arabia. I did too, man. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I had picked Raiders over Lawrence of Arabia just by a hair. So, you know, Brief Encounter wins for me here. I, here's the here's the PSA for everybody. Go watch Brief Encounter. It's and so good. Understand. Yeah, it's so good. And you know what else is good? Heat, the number 12 seed up against the mm. number five seed Terminator 2. This is a harder one. Uh, but I think ultimately T2 is the tighter film. It, I mean, like there is never a moment where this movie doesn't feel like it's being propelled forward. And I think that yeah. for me is why Terminator 2 is the better film and why it's moving on. Yeah, I think that Heat has the better scene. Like that scene of them sitting at the coffee shop is incredible and it's talked about for a reason. Mm-hmm. But overall as a film, I think that T2 just freaking rocks, bro. Like it's just nonstop awesome action when when uh, John Connor realizes that he can control the Terminator and has him turn on the two, you know, biker guys mm-hmm. who are trying to, trying to help him, which is comedic in its own right. I there's just I just love T2, man. So, yeah, that's moving on for me. All right. We're jumping over to the other side of the bracket. We've got the Grand Budapest Hotel versus Silence. I don't even think we need to discuss this one. I think Grand Budapest moves on here, Brad. Yeah, silence is fine. It's worth a a first round victory, but Grand Budapest is going to do some damage in this bracket, Bob. Then we have a few good men up against the bridge on the River Kwai, the dad movie deluxe pairing. (laughs) This is really hard, dude. I think, surprisingly, I'm going to move a few good men on. I think Bridge on the River Kwai is actually the better movie. But we talked a lot in that episode about the section in the middle where they leave the POW camp to follow William Holden's character for a little too long. And it Mm -hmm. really did slow the movie down for me. And I think A Few Good Men is the more compulsively rewatchable movie. And so I'm moving that one on. I'm actually moving it on as well, Bob. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I I love Bridge, Bridge on the River Kwai. But it just doesn't move the way a few good men does. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm I'm moving it forward. Okay. And that takes us to our last four movies. Taxi Driver versus Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? I I mean, I don't know, man. I This was very easy for me. I moved Taxi Driver on in a heartbeat. What's, what's one of your favorite scenes from Taxi Driver? I mean, like the famous mirror scene, like the you, you talking to me scene. I Honestly, I think pretty much every scene with Sybil Shepard is actually really, really good. <laughs> like, mm, yeah. like surprisingly so, um, because I feel like that's not what people remember from this movie, but that's where the sense of dread and the unease and the like, oh, this man is like socially inept and this is going to mm-hmm. lead to bad places. I think that's where the movie really succeeds for me. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm totally in with you, man. Honestly, I think that I had a De Niro Assance this season. Where I went from thinking that De Niro was this old man who was like a fine actor to kind of understanding why people are like, holy shit, it's Robert De Niro. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. Okay, and that takes us to our final matchup, Aliens versus Jaws. I think this is where we're going to stoke some division, Brad, because Ooh. I moved Aliens on. What? Yeah. Bob. Jaws is a great movie. Jaws is not a perfect movie, despite what some people say. And I think that Aliens is closer to being a movie with zero fat on it than Jaws is. And so I moved Aliens on. Yeah, I I just think you're wrong there, man. I I think that Aliens has enough chinks in its armor. It's a a little bit ragged in the way it presents itself, which is fine. Like it's the 80s. They're trying to figure out what this new world of technology is bringing them. Whereas in the, you know, when they're making Jaws, they weren't bogged down by that. And I I think that Jaws is easily the better pick here. Well, that means that we have to flip a coin, man. And so if we're going geographically, as you say, aliens comes first, aliens will be heads, Jaws will be tails for a spot in our round of eight. Brad, this is... This is the first one that I feel like actually has some weight behind it. I know. Yeah, I think you might actually be mad at me if Aliens wins this one. I would be. 
<laughs> well, let's see. Brad, flip that coin. Robert Jaws is a movie that I love. And I am so thankful that we had it in this season. And I'm disappointed to say that it is going into the fiery inferno. Oh, man. Aliens Aliens moving into the round of eight. All right. So that finalizes it. We've got Jurassic Park, Shaun of the Dead, Brief Encounter, Terminator 2, The Grand Budapest Hotel, A Few Good Men, Taxi Driver, and Aliens. Two Jim Camerons, only one Spielberg, Brad. Are you surprised? That's interesting. I would, no, I mean, I did not have two Jim Camerons in mine. Uh, I had two Spielbergs, but somebody <laughs> literally just ruined that. <laughs> I I am a little bit surprised here. Let's let me let's see. We have give me one, give me a half sec. You know, I gotta say, as you're looking up whatever you're looking up, these all seem like broy movies on the surface. But then I think about each of these movies, and this is probably the most tonally varied round of eight that I can remember us having. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like Jurassic Park, Shaun of the Dead, like, sure, the the I get that. You know, like those are dorm room movies. Yeah. But then Brief Encounter, matched up <laughs> against T2, and then Grand Budapest thrown in there. Like it, I'm really, really satisfied with this group of films. Yeah. I mean, I will say we have the number one, eight, four, five, two, ten, three, and eleven. Mm-hmm. So, so there were a couple know, big upsets here. Yeah, there were some upsets. We have some films from, you know, the double digits entering the round of eight. So this has been a good bracket so far, man. All right. It remains to be seen what is going to be crowned the champion of season six. Join us next time as we finish off this bracket. We'll look at the round of eight, narrowing it all the way down to the season six champion. And we'll drink three bourbons from Doc Swinson's. But until then, I'm Bob Book. I'm Brad G. And we'll see you next time.